as long as you're honest and upfront with the clients and you're not lying to make a quick buck, go out and prove that you can actually sell whatever you're selling. And then you can always figure out the other stuff later. So here's a big question. As a digital marketer, how can we accelerate our business with extreme momentum without all the turbulence and time suck? And how do we do it in a way that changes the lives of everyone around us? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Chad Kaderi, CEO of Dashclicks, and welcome to Marketer's Mindset. Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to another's marketer, another's. Welcome back to another Marketer Mindset podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Daniel. I have the super cool Nathan Hirsch all the way out from Denver, Colorado. I've heard it's a great country over there. And he is going to be talking a little bit about his super cool business called Ecom Balance. And maybe we'll get into a few more that you started because I've heard a lot of things. You do a lot of different things. And um, you're on to the next one, which is Ecom, ba- uh, Ecom Balance. So I'm super excited you're here. Thanks for joining. Same. It, uh, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, you were on the free up platform for a little bit. So we got to know each other a little bit years ago, but uh, good to kind of see you in this role. And yeah. uh, congrats on being a podcast host. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Um, I joined FreeUp. I have. A, I want to jump right into this, but just quickly off that, like, I joined FreeUp when I don't know like when you started it, but it was kind of in the beginning stage when you were doing everything off of Skype too. So yeah, kind of fun. funny story off that. We were still doing Skype when we sold it, and the first thing the the new owners did was move everything to Slack, and we kind of got to see it during the sixty day transition period. And now all our companies run on Slack. So maybe I should have gotten off Skype uh, sooner than that. <laughs> I mean, it worked, you know, but my first question for you. So what, what are you doing now? And like, how do you make, how do you generate revenue? Yeah. So Ecom Balance is a monthly bookkeeping service. So we charge clients on the first and get them their income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow by the 15th. Uh, we also charge them for any kind of catch up or cleanup work up front, depending on how far their back their books are. Um, and they might have some add-on services, whether it's payroll or paying vendors or whatever it is. So, but our core service is that that monthly bookkeeping. It, it, but it seems a little more, little more beyond than just the bookkeeping, which is interesting because I feel like that's sort of an uncommon thing, you know, software with a little bit of service behind it. Yeah. So we like to build software behind all of our businesses. Uh, to be honest, we're not going to reinvent QuickBooks or, or anything like that. And there are some no. other tools like A2X, if clients are in the e-commerce space or, or whatever. Um, but we like to, like you saw with FreeUp, there's always a portal behind uh, what, what we build. Um, clients can log in, they can submit a request for pricing, uh, they can agree to pricing. Um, all their like affiliates are in there. We have a good affiliate program. They can track that. They can track all their billing. So it's kind of a, a software behind the service, even though the service is first. Um, and as we go, mm-hmm. we'll add different features like, like with FreeUp. When we launched an MVP, the portal did very little besides show your billing. And over time, there was a ticketing system and it matched you up with freelancers and affiliates and you could submit feedback and, and all sorts of stuff got added as you go. So you kind of start with the basics and, and add on from there. So when did you start Ecom? Or I keep wanting to say Ecom. I'm thinking <laughs> of like, I'm thinking of like school, you know, the Ecom class. But when did you start Ecom? God, I did it again. Uh, no, it is Ecom called Ecom. Ecom Balance. Econ balance. When did you start econ balance? <laughs> uh, the end of last year. So after we sold free up at the end of 2019, 
the original plan was to take a year off and travel. And unfortunately, there was a pandemic. So we were kind of locked at home, which was a yeah. weird place to be after selling your company with, with nothing to do. Um, so we launched a course called Outsource School, which we still sell. It's our hiring process and how we build the teams for, for all of our businesses. And that kind of bought us time to figure out what our next big venture is. And we, we like unsexy businesses, hiring processes, finances. <laughs> and um, we, we've always been good at finances too, just making good decisions based on numbers and obviously passing due diligence. So we had this idea to, to start a bookkeeping service and really bring a, an entrepreneur mentality where we're entrepreneurs first, we're business owners first, we're not bookkeepers first, even though we're, we're good at hiring and good at processes. And so we started doing market research and interviewing entrepreneurs and hired our financial controller and built a team around them and did a beta round with about 35 clients to put them through our processes and break everything and, and use it to kind of build everything that we have now. And now yeah. we're up and running and we're marketing and we're adding clients every week. And it's been a, a fun, crazy six months. That is crazy. It seems like you just exploded this thing quickly, but it feels like, you know, you've done this so many times over and over, you just kind of know the formula and it just gets easier and easier essentially because you just know what to put into it. So you said you're focused on business owners for econ balance. Is that like your main avatar niche for the service? Yeah, good question. I mean, I'm like micro famous, if you even want to call it that in the e-commerce space, just because we were in there for so long. Like I sold on Amazon for six years. I free up what was originally a marketplace just for e-commerce sellers. And I, I went on 200 e-commerce podcasts. So from a, a marketing perspective, I, we believe in niching down. So we, we target e-commerce, but we're, we're also have kind of built up a, a little bit of a brand in the, the marketing and just online business community. So, I mean, our, our minimum price is 250 a month. So if you're, if you can't afford 250 a month, you're usually doing less than a few hundred thousand dollars a year. And it might not make sense for, for you to use us. Um, although there's some creative ways to get it lower than that through affiliates and stuff like that. But I think our ideal client is that online business doing 500,000 to a few million dollars a year that can't spend time on bookkeeping and, and needs to be able to make good decisions each month based on what the numbers are telling them and, and what mm. the trends are telling them. See, okay. When I was on free up like four years ago, whatever it was, I can't remember now. Um, I did notice like most of the people that were helping you were outsourced like Philippines and stuff, but regardless of that point, everyone I dealt with knew exactly what they needed to do. It was a really well-oiled machine. And I don't know how many team members you had at the time. And then I know you kind of jumped into outsource school and taught people how to do get that kind of well-oiled machine. So moving into econ balance, like how big is your team now? Do you, do you feel like it's more efficient than ever? How large is it? How large is it? What does it look like? Yeah, we've got 10 people right now. So it's about half in Colorado, half in the Philippines um, with Econ Balance because it's bookkeeping and finances. You kind of do need that uh, high level US bookkeeping or financial control or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah. FreeUp was very unique. I mean, we were ran a, an eight figure business and sold the company uh, with no US employees. It was me, my business partner and 30 internal uh, full-time people in the Philippines. And there were thousands of freelancers on the platform from all over the world, but our internal team, it was just those people from the Philippines. So slightly different business, but it's the same hiring process. We, we look for skill. We look for attitude. We look for communication. We want people who take ownership of the tasks that they're doing and that believe in the company and want to be a part of it long-term and obviously learn quickly and, and can execute and, and help 
us grow. So, I mean, building a team is kind of the core to, to any business. I, I learned that the hard way with our Amazon business when I was in college and I was 20 and no one took me seriously. And I had no idea what I was doing as a young entrepreneur and I made really. every bad hiring decision you, you could make. Uh, but over time, we've really got our hiring process down where we know 99% of the time we're going to add an A player to the team. We, we just hired someone today that's starting Monday and we feel very confident that they're going to help us take it to the next level as well. So you kind of get better and better at hiring it as you do it more and more. It's not so much like making sure you have a lean team. Is it, is it more of just making sure you hire the right people and however large or small it looks, you just need the right person. Yeah. I mean, there's benefits to running lean. I mean, and there's lots of different ways to, to running lean, like with free up and e-com balance and outsource school, there's no office. There's very little overhead. You're, you're paying for your team. You're paying for some softwares and some servers and, and that's about it. And then it just depends on how much you're paying your team. And if you're hiring just from the Philippines mm-hmm. or U S but I, I like to have lean businesses. Um, one of the worst business decisions I ever made was opening up an office uh, for my Amazon business back in the day, just because it was totally unnecessary. The business could run remote. Everyone was working fine. And we just added a bunch of overhead for, for no reason. It was just like, it's just, you know, well, do you have an office? Yeah. Yeah. Do you use it? No, but at least I have an office. It's just like a bragging thing or something. So yeah. how many clients does Econ Balance currently have? Yeah, we have about 50 clients right now. So we did that beta round with about 30, 35 clients and we've added a handful since then. So we're sitting about 50. So, okay, this kind of leads to my next question really really well. So you're sort of semi-famous. So I'm in the presence of a celebrity-ish. Micro-famous. Right? Micro-famous. Not really famous, <laughs> fake famous. <laughs> okay. So it's, I know this has happened though, because you've, you know, the businesses you created made some waves. You've done a lot of podcasting, I'm sure. You've done a lot of content and that's built your audience up. So, you know, as long as you've been doing this, how big do you think your audience or reach currently is? Yeah, it's probably thousands of people. I don't think it's like hundreds of thousands or, or anything like that. I, I think there's people that hopefully I, I have trusted me over the years. And I mean, yeah. no one's perfect as an entrepreneur. There's been plenty of situations where either I've made a mistake or my team's made a mistake or whatever it is. And I think the thing about Connor, my business partner and I is our value is we, we just make it right. Like no questions asked. Like if we lose a little bit of money or whatever it is, like we just want to fix stuff. So it's a combination of hopefully keeping a reputation like that, where we're going to do everything possible to, to make the customer happy. Um, yeah. Also setting the, the right expectations up front, like early days of free up. We told people, Hey, we're in the early days of free up We're we're building this out. We're trying to come up with the best processes and same thing with econ balance. We gave our beta testers a few free months of bookkeeping. And in return, they, they were told to bear with us as we figure stuff out and there would be delays. And, and, and we are very appreciative. They kind of helped us, um, go through that. And I think the other side of it in terms of building a, an audience is just the consistency. Like Connor and I, we network with new people every single week. We consistently go on podcasts. We consistently put out content. We consistently um, sponsor conferences or whatever it is, but it's less about like, oh, we're doing this one big thing to get out there and land a million clients and more about doing the small stuff consistently every single week. Yeah. It's not like you're just running like a, you know, this like massively profitable Uh, Facebook ad campaign. That's like the end all be all of everything. Right. Exactly. So what is, you kind of mentioned this with your pricing model, 250 a month. Do you have like a value ladder or is that pretty much what you charge? Uh, So that's the minimum. We have clients that pay two grand a month that are huge and they're massive, very complicated businesses. So with us right now, and pricing is definitely something we're we're still tweaking, but 
clients uh, create a free account in our portal. They submit a form about their business and give us access to whatever their current books are on. And from there, we give them a price for any kind of catch-up and cleanup work and then whatever their, their monthly price is. And I mean, it has to do with how big their business is, number of transactions, number of accounts, stuff like that. So it's really just diagnosing the situation. It's not necessarily like a value ladders in place. Like, so let's get them at this price, then move them up. It's no, this is the right solution for you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, every month we're providing ACAM statement balance sheet cash flow to all our clients. We have some very cool reports that help you compare trends from last month to the same month last year to, to see what things are doing in the actual health of your business. Um, it, it is the same, whether you're a six-figure seller, a seven-figure seller, eight-figure business, whatever it is. Um, at the same time, it's different just because there's a lot more going on in, a, in an eight-figure business than a six-figure. So it's not a value ladder in terms of like you get additional support or, or whatever it is, um, but it, it is more complex numbers. There might be different segmentation, different revenue stream, different brands within the company, whatever yeah. it is for, for the bigger business. Interesting. So what's like the number one thing that moves your revenue needle the most? Yeah, I mean, it's all about the MRR, right? It's probably similar yeah. with a, a lot of people listening, like the 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 ketchup and cleanup projects. Sure, you make a little bit of money, but like I tell people, like our goal isn't to make a quick buck off you by cleaning up your books. Like we want to work with you long term, and even if you lose. 200 bucks on a cleanup project. If you work with that client for years to come, hopefully you, you make it up. So for us, it's about the, the reoccurring revenue and the long-term clients, more about those uh, one-off projects. And how, how do you like get them? How do, how do you like start those conversations to get them on and kind of retain them? Because I know it's probably can be a comp complicated, well, not complicated, but complex conversation when you're like, well, we got to go through your books and check sure to make sure you're fine. And then now you're on as a client, you're up to date. And now let's move forward, adding value. Um, like, how are you starting those conversations and getting people to agree to join in the first place? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it starts with just market awareness, right? Going on podcasts, um, the content we put out, we have a, a partner program where people are promoting us and luckily influencers trust us and are promoting us. So getting people to, to visit the site and create a free account, um, hopping on a call with me or someone on our team if they want to, it's optional. Um, once they create an account and, and fill out our form and give us access to their books, uh, we're able to, to give them a, a quote, like I said. Um, once they agree to a quote, next we have a, a full-time integration person that helps get us access to everything we need as quickly as possible. That's probably the most annoying part because we need to view only access to banks and processors and Stripe and all that mm. kind of stuff. And once we get that access, our, our team reviews it and we have a kickoff call where we go through everything with the client and make sure we're on the same page. And then my team gets to work. So that, that's a process that our beta clients are really helped us build out because at first we were doing like onboarding calls before integration and integration would come later and we'd be chasing clients down for stuff. And we kind of slowly figured out that that was the, the best streamlined approach. And if you talk to me in a year, maybe we've made improvements to that process as well. Well, I mean, in six months, it just seems like you just went from like trying to figure things out to like have things figured out for the most part. Now it's just like, optimizing further. I mean, everyone's kind of optimizing always, but it just seems like it happened really quickly, but it also makes sense because you've done so much of trial and error before. So you just, you retain what you learn. So you don't make the same mistakes again. So what's like the number one automation you have in your business. That's like, you can't run it without it. <laughs> number one automation. That's a good question. Yeah, you're like, without so that, it's just like, it won't even work. <laughs> 
Yeah, so probably not relevant to your audience, but for e-commerce, uh, Amazon and Shopify and Walmart and all those places make it very difficult to get accurate sales data with fees and refunds and stuff into QuickBooks. So there's a tool called A2X, and we we came across, we knew about A2X before, but we did a ton of research with them and their competitors and just testing out different tools in that first 60 days and getting feedback from our bookkeepers and a2x by far was the most accurate and the easiest and not necessarily the cheapest which is okay um, but we have a, a great relationship with them and i mean now we just require it for every e-commerce client that, that we take on and we probably couldn't do bookkeeping without it and if you talk to another e-commerce bookkeeping firm or accounting firm that they'd probably tell you the same thing yeah do you have when people come into your platform and they sign up and they don't maybe complete certain things you want them to, or you need to manage them, do you guys use a CRM? And if you do, like what CRM is that? Yeah. So right now we use ClickUp. Um, it is a little bit more for the process side than the sales side. I'm not hundred percent sure we'll use that for the sales going forward, but um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the last missing piece that hasn't been built out yet is the, the sales team. And right now it's a little bit more of me and, and a few VAs handling it where hopefully in six months we have that CRM um, set up and we have a sales team and, and people going to conferences and landing clients or, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's probably the the piece that we haven't focused on as much, um, I think we like businesses that have big markets, like hiring, bookkeeping, stuff like that. So yeah. even if the, the sales pipeline is the last thing you figure out, you're still kind of getting clients through the door, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier too about your sales process before you were doing like calls and these you could, they can schedule calls now, but what's kind of the sales structure you have in place to get someone from not a client to a client? Yeah, so it's that brand awareness through any marketing. When they get to the site, it's an optional call or they can just go create an account and submit a, our pricing form. If they don't submit the pricing right. form, but they, they create an account, we follow up with them to see if they want to call or if they just didn't know what the next step was. And from there, we give them a quote. And again, they can either accept the quote or they can talk to us. So it can be as hands-on or hands-off as people want. There are people that go through the process, get a quote, accept it, get started, and they don't talk to me at all. And other people don't want to give us access to their books and until they talk to us first. So it really so, depends. So you really have it both ways where they you could really handhold them the whole way, do, do calls with them, pitch them and say, this is this, this is that, you want to do it, let's go. Or it could be totally automated and they just start. That's yeah. really, that's unique. Cause I don't, I don't normally, that's not something you, I think you typically hear in that space. And that's kind of the borderline between the software and the service. Uh, free right. up was the same way. Like there are people that would book a call with me and there's other people that create an account and submit a request and hire someone and use free up for four years and never spoke to me once. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. That's interesting. So I know you started this in six months, but so let's just start with that. So in the past six months, how much revenue has Ecom Balance generated? I think we're over like $100,000 or so, something like that. Okay. And then in the next 12 months, maybe, you know, just comparable, in the next 12 months, where do you think yourself as a revenue goal hitting with Econ Balance? Yeah, so we're, I mentioned we're about like 45 clients now, I'll call it an even 50. So we're hoping to get to 150 clients by the end of the year. So that would be tripling where we are now. So we're talking a few hundred thousand dollars this year. And then hopefully next year, hopefully we go into January with our team, our processes, systems, our software, everything in line. And next year is kind of a big marketing year. And 
I don't know if it'll play out this way. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurship can, can be humbling, um, but free up kind of had that trajectory where year one, you're just figuring out everything. You're hiring the right people, you're figuring out processes. And then year two is when you're going all out on the marketing, whether it's sponsorships or conferences or, or whatever you're doing to drive traffic um, because you know, you have the infrastructure to support it. Like if we added a hundred clients tomorrow, I, I don't think we're supporting it without pushing people back and delaying. Um, we want to be adding that five to 10 clients a month so that we, we, it's not just about doing people's books. It's about building while you're also doing people's books and making sure you have enough time to do both. Yeah. And that seems like a lot. I mean, cause what, what you're saying seems complex. I'm trying to wrap my head around all the stuff you have to do and then scale it and do that with every single client. So what would be like the number one thing you'd have to change to hit that revenue goal or hit that 150 subscribers? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's necessarily what we have to change. I mean, there's kind of, there's a few factors into running this type of business. You have to be able to acquire clients, which not that we've proven anything, but we've at least had good signs that we're able to do that. Um, you have to retain clients, which so far so good, but it's still on us to, to keep people around. Um, you have to be able to consistently hire great bookkeepers, which we love our team right now. And we have a few more people starting over the next few weeks and hopefully they're rock stars as well. And then you have to be able to keep your people too, because if you're losing bookkeepers and each bookkeeper has 10 to 20 clients or, or whatever it is that yeah. can cause chaos pretty quickly. So those are kind of the four things that, that we're, we're focused on. And a lot of that goes to listening to feedback, listening to what the clients are saying, listening to what our bookkeepers are saying, um, getting the, them the software they need or the support they need or the, the systems or, or whatever it is. So I think we're, we're kind of growing at the pace that we should be growing. And I'm not sure anything drastic has changed there, but we got to stay focused on those four things if we really want to be able to scale this. That makes sense. Well, it just seems like you already have something sort of um, in process. It, well, it just seems like you're already you're building something, you're putting the process together, you're getting things figured out. The one thing I find really um, great, which I don't hear that often, is the amount of effort and time you put into talking and listening to your clients, to your team, to your bookkeepers, um, any feedback you get with the software. I mean, how, how seriously do you, do you take it might be a dumb question, but how seriously do you take people's feedback when you might get bombarded with it? Like, is it, is it kind of just like, um, you know, if you're in startup phase and someone gives you feedback, I know it can be difficult because it's like a development phase, but you got to build these new tools and you mentioned, you know, giving them the tools that they need. Um, how open are you to when you do get that feedback? Like, is it a pretty quick turnaround and they're just seem like, I can't believe you're actually building a tool that we find valuable. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I mean, feedback is key. And, and that's been the same for every business. During free up in year one, we were taking feedback from our, the freelancers and the clients. And with Econ Balance, it's the same thing. Like all those beta clients, we reach out to them and we wanted to know what their experience was like. And a lot of their experience up front was your integration process sucks. It took forever to get us access to everything. And so we hired a full-time integration person. That's just one example. And there's other times where I'll listen to the bookkeepers and it doesn't necessarily mean I'll, I'll implement everything instantly. Um, but there's also situations that I might do other research. So for example, our bookkeepers made it very clear that you can't do current months until you do the cleanup first. And me as an entrepreneur, I don't want to wait for someone to do past months before I see the current month. 
month, I need to know what the current month is to make decisions. So me as an entrepreneur, I pushed back against the bookkeepers a little bit. And, and so what I did was I went out and I talked to some of our competitors who are super nice and, or people that had sold bookkeeping companies before. And they told me that I was crazy and that I should listen to the bookkeepers. So I had no, I had no problem admitting when I was wrong and kind of going to them. So feedback is one of those things that you should always be listening to it. You should be trying to implement it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to implement everything right away. Sometimes you might have to do it six months on the line. And there's certain times where you can push back on it or, or verify it in other ways or come up with creative alternatives. You don't want to get caught in that rabbit hole of just like, okay, yeah, yeah we got it. And then just implement every like random thing that comes up. There's got to be a little bit of validation behind it. But for the most Absolutely. part- but for the most part, I, I, I look up to that. I think that's really cool because I don't hear that all that often when people get obsessed with their customers. It's usually more like, well, we're trying to work on, you know, the main talking points more like, we're just trying to work on getting more clients. We're just trying to work on hitting revenue goals. We're just trying to work on increasing profit margins, stuff like that. So this is a really cool way to put it. And I tend to relate a little bit more with how you focus on things in that nature. So I have one last question for you. Um, if you haven't already know, most of the people that listen to this podcast generally are on the lower end of like the entrepreneur spectrum, I guess, where they're either thinking about starting a business just in general, or they have already started a business, but you know, they might have a few clients. They, they really, they're just figuring things out. So what would be like the one or two pieces of advice that you could give those listeners that could save them, you know, years of wasted time? Yeah, you you kind of asked me a question before this, which is like, what is the chicken? What comes first, the chicken or the egg, in terms of like getting clients or, or getting, in in my case, freelancers or bookkeepers or whatever the business is. Um, but for, for me, it's it's business is all about getting the minimum viable product out there as fast as humanly possible. Like there are people that'll spend years building this software and they don't even know if they can sell it. And then they, they realize there isn't a market after they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. For me, it's get the minimum viable product out there. Like it should be a good product. It shouldn't be anything that screws someone over or like hurt right. someone in any way. Like it should be what you think is good. And then go out and sell it and prove that you can sell it. And sales kind of cures everything. Like I, I kind of mentioned, yeah, if I landed a hundred clients tomorrow, um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to handle it, but I'd also figure it out. I'd go to those clients and be honest and in front and say, Hey, we need more time. I'll give you some free months. I'll give you a discount. If you bear with me, whatever it is. And then I'll go out and I'll find the bookkeepers and, and build yeah. the processes. Like the best problem to have is too much sales and get that. You can always make them MVP better with free up our software. It was terrible year one. After we had a lot of clients, we built it up with econ balance. It's minimum right now. And we build it up from there. So as long as you're honest and upfront with the clients and you're not lying to make a quick buck, go out and prove that you can actually sell whatever you're selling. And then you can always figure out the other stuff later. Just do it, figure it out later, be successful. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> kind of. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out, but that's really good advice. Thank you so much. Guys, again, we have Nathan Hirsch from Econ Balance all the way out from Denver, Colorado. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everything you gave, I took notes on. I might use some of your advice. I thought I found it was really helpful. And I think everyone else listening um, learned a lot too. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. For sure. Want more of Marketer's Mindset? Join our private Facebook group where agencies from all over the world share strategies, network, and scale their business together. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash marketers mindset to get instant access. Also, 
If this podcast impacted you in any way, please share it with friends and leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps build our community. 